Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. Here at Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And I'll start by saying I'm Colleen and I'm a recovering people pleaser, Bridget. What about yeah. yourself? Oh my gosh, work in progress. But uh, <laughs> Exactly. Yes, but our guest today was very helpful. And I've even got my notes still here that I wrote that if you watch the interview or listen to the interview, you'll know what I wrote down. And I have it on a sticky note right at my computer. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. We are talking with Natalie Liu, who is the author of The Joy of Saying No, A Simple Plan to Stop People Pleasing, Reclaim Boundaries, and Say Yes to the Life that You Want. And as a like you said, work in progress with people pleasing. I have learned that saying no is easier for me than making someone feel like I, I still am the people pleaser, but I'm working on the just saying no. Yes. Yeah. Easier than I am on the people pleasing. You've actually been very helpful to me in that aspect because you say no is a complete sentence. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And it, it, it was so great. What what Natalie, what I put on the sticky note that she shared with us was to say, let me get back to you. Uh, because that gives you the chance to, okay, give time to think about it. And I love how she said, and if they say, no, I need an answer right away, then your answer is no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it's true. Sometimes you can't think you automatically go, of course. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. When in your head, you're going, what are you saying? You don't want to go there. You don't want to do that. So just saying, let me get back to you. Let me check my schedule. Gives you a moment to kind of say, all right, how am I going to get out of this nicely? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or even do I have time for this? Even if it is something that sounds interesting, you may not have time for this, or it might just overwhelm you or be just get you in a spin and put you over your head and you are concentrating on something that really is not the highest priority in your life at that moment. I I did that so much in my thirties, so much that, Oh, I'll help with this. I'll help with this. I had my hand and all of these things, swim team mom and PTA and all this junk. And I was because you thought it made you a better mother or a better person. That's it. Yes. And Natalie's going to talk about the five different types of people pleasers. She'll go into detail, but it's basically gooding, avoiding, efforting, saving, and suffering. And I have to say, I kind of recognize myself in a little bit of all five. I didn't really fall into one. Don't even think about the fact that it becomes a habit in your life, that your brain stores the habit of saying yes and then regretting it after you've said it or thinking that you're doing the right thing for someone else when in effect you're you don't have the bandwidth to be doing it like it's okay i love saying no like i say <laughs> i say no thank you like i'm polite but <laughs> But to me, that takes my power back. It gives me yeah, my it does. power it back. It does. And, you know, I think I mentioned in the interview as well is the older I get, I don't take offense to someone saying no. Right. Yes. That, and that's something I've learned as I've gotten older that, hey, they just need some time. They just need to rest. They just need a little bit of this. And that's fine. I don't get upset if someone says, no, I can't go here or I can't go there or I'm just not going to be able to do this. That's that's their thing. That's how the and type that, of it's not they a are. personal attack, right? On right. You. Yes. It's and that's what we talk about too in in the interview is that when you first start learning 
to recover from people pleasing and you start using the word no, people who are used to you saying yes are not going to know what to do at first. So you have yeah. to train yourself to continue to say, not to backtrack. Once you put it out there, it has to stick. And that may take a few times of feeling guilty and, and people not responding the way you expect them to and, and accepting your new boundary. But you have to stick with it for your mental health, your physical health. And honestly, you've earned this right. Yes. You have been yeah. people pleasing for 40 plus years. You've done your time. <laughs> you, exactly. do not, you do not have to pay that fine anymore. We are going to have the show notes, obviously, on the website. You can take a, a look at all the links. If you have questions on this episode, make sure you're subscribed to our email list. If you go to hotflashescooltopics.com, a little pop-up will appear. Just put your email, and you'll start getting our newsletters. And we are going to let Natalie start the conversation. Enjoy. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, everybody. Today, we're really excited to have author Natalie Liu on today. Now, not only is she an author, but she also has a, a really great blog called The Baggage Reclaim, which you've had for several years. And she has just come out with a fantastic book called The Joy of Saying No, A Simple Plan to Stop people-pleasing, reclaim boundaries, and say yes to life. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you for having me, Bridget and Colleen. Well, it's, it, you know, this book really came at a great time. I was just discussing with Colleen last week how I needed to say no to something that I had said yes to, and you pointed it out in your book because it's making me anxious. So this book couldn't have come at a better time. So thank you for writing it. <laughs> Why do you think that we are conditioned in society that no is a bad word? That we shouldn't say no, we should say yes, especially for women. Um, I, I think we've been socialized and conditioned into this. I mean, we have to remember as women, and I mean, we all as humans, we are, are raised in, in, in a patriarchal system, but obviously women <laughs> are the ones who who feel the, the brunt end of that. We have had societal messaging, which has come down the ages and, and sort of been perpetuated and reinforced that a, a woman exists to give to meet other people's needs, to sacrifice herself. A good woman does certain things and she doesn't do other things. So it starts out when we are young girls and it's like, well, be me, be mild, be sweet, be kind, don't make waves, you know, help out, don't be selfish, don't be rude. And it's don't be slutty, don't get a reputation, you know, how are you going to get a man to choose you? Because obviously if we're going back, you know, a few decades, it would always be in the focus on, you know, your hetero relationships. How are you going to get a man to choose you if you if you have a reputation or if you're not doing all the right things? Let me teach you these things so that you are wifely material, you know, sort of when you grow up. I think as well, women have less margin to say no. Men are not penalized to anywhere near to the same extent for saying no as women are. So for, for women, we have had messages starting out from when we're very young that actually that saying no can make you unsafe. You know, when we think about dating situations, for instance, or, or being in a romantic relationship, how actually we, we may have found that we have slept with more people than actually we wanted to sleep with because when we were on dates, we felt bad about saying that we didn't want to go back 
to the person's place or that we didn't want to go as far as the other person, but then feeling, oh, I could be very unsafe and be in more danger if I turn around and say no. But I think if we look at the wider context of this, something I say in the book is that we were all raised, if we're not a child right now, during the age of obedience. And that is where the, the interacting, disciplining, communicating with children centered on making them as excessively compliant as possible, particularly with authorities. And as a result, we are we're conditioned into people pleasing because it's like no is a dirty word. Yes, makes you a good person. Yes, makes you obedient. Yes, makes you easygoing. It makes you a good employee, you know, a good partner, a good parent. Uh, it does not. It most definitely does not. Yeah, you talk about in your book too those styles of people pleasing, um, the uh, five styles of people pleasing. And I found myself in each one of those in all the descriptions. Are, can we are, talk about times? Yes. Can we, we talk about the different styles and what they yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. So the, those five styles are gooding, efforting, avoiding, saving, and suffering. And the names in and of themselves imply the types of concern that we have, the ways in which we would go about trying to, to please others or to avoid conflict. So we, with gooding, we are concerned with being a good person, looking good, even if we're not necessarily up to good all the time, having people perceive us in a particular way. We might be very hung up on good intentions. Somebody who maybe is, is into efforting, which is, is my camp, is a bad effort. So it wouldn't be enough to, to kind of give the appearance of being good or looking good. It has to be like, you've got to be the best, give 100% or more than 100%. You know, it's the perfectionism, try the hardest. The way that we would try to please in that case is with efforts. Keep on trying and trying and trying. And the answer to pretty much everything for somebody who has that efforting style is, oh, things are not going my way. Okay, try harder. Throw more effort at it. Somebody who has the avoiding style uses avoiding as a way to please others. They are very concerned with avoiding conflict, you know, more so than somebody who would have a more, one of the others as a more dominant style. But they see it as, I won't bring up the thing that I think will make you uncomfortable. I will make sure that I have as little differences with you as possible so that you don't get mad at me. So it's like, I like what you like. Oh, where do you want to go tonight? I want to go where you want to go. I want to do the things that you want to do. Uh, And actually, I think something that happens with people who have the avoiding style is they actually think that what they're doing is a really good thing. But what can happen is they go along with what other people want as a way to please. And then when things don't work out or or they're frustrated, it's like the other person, well, you wanted this and I supported you with it to please you. So why are you complaining about this? Somebody who has the saving style is, you know, that they are helpers, fixers, rescuers, saviors of this world. They sacrifice themselves. They see themselves as being really good givers, but not only are they overgivers, but they, there's an overgiving is given without boundaries. But I think that the saving and the helping and the fixing and the rescuing is a, they need to feel needed. And what they don't often acknowledge, like any people pleaser, is they do things on some level 
expecting to get something back, whether it is that the person will love them or stay or that the person will never criticize them or, or have conflict with them. And last but not least, the suffering style is, is really this sort of mentality of the more you suffer, the better it makes you as a person. I bleed for you. And it's like, how much can I bust up my boundaries for you? And something I say in the book is it, it may well be that yeah, you particularly identify with one particular style. I've heard from a number of people where, I mean, I can see myself at different points in my life where I would definitely have been the others, one more so than the other. I would say I am, my dominant style is efforting. And then there's definitely been <laughs> the gooding for sure, you know, the quintessential good girl. Um, and there's been a, a dash of avoiding and, and, and saving in there as well. But I think that part of the reason why I shared these styles as well is because I think people pleasing is very misunderstood. So, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of women where it's like, oh, I'm just such a people pleaser. But it's like, they say it like it's a badge of honor, like a, a signal of what an amazing person they are. What a great generous you know personality they are and then others see it as oh I'm a doormat and it's like no it's a misappropriation of our good qualities we do good things a lot of the time but for the wrong reasons or we go about doing things in a way that it just has no care no regard for our well-being in the mix Absolutely. I know you brought up different things and I saw myself so much in them. And one of the things is when we you go to a point where you're pleasing someone so much or you can't say no to something and you reach a point where you are so frustrated by everything that you explode. You might oh. lose it at, at that person. Can you talk about that situation? Yeah, I compare it to... You know, people pleasing is suppressing and repressing our needs, desires, expectations, feelings, and opinions. These don't just disappear. We can pretend that we don't have needs, but we actually do. Uh, we can pretend that we, that you know, our opinions, you know, the same, that nothing is bothering us. It's not like it just disappears. It's in our body. And so we're like a pressure cookie. You know those uh, those those pressure cookies that you put on the hob, and they they cook the food by steaming in with the pressure. So we become like that. But where it's left on the hob for too long, at some point, it is a guarantee that we are going to blow. So we're either going to implode, where the explosion sort of happens internally, and so that can be breakdown, burnout, some form of illness, just. The, the collapse of self almost, or it can be exploding where we unleash. And it can often be that the thing, the, you know, the event, the person that tips us over the edge into that explosion, it might not even be the worst thing <laughs> that, we've, right. that we've necessarily experienced, but all of that, that pent up resentment, frustration, tension, the neglect of the self eventually causes an explosion. And what's interesting is often a people pleaser will unleash and they will then feel ashamed. And then it'll be like, see, this is why I don't talk about my feelings. This is why I don't bring things up because look what happens. And it's like, actually, no. And you're going to miss the point here because what will happen is you, you're like, oh, you're judging like how you exploded, but you wouldn't explode if you were consistently being yourself, which means 
you know, taking care of your needs, expressing your feelings and thoughts, you know, taking care of yourself. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. When someone reaches that point where either anger, guilt, resentment just reaches the boiling point and they've decided, okay, it's time for me to start learning how to say no. Where mm. do they begin? Because everyone in your life is used to you saying yes. And how do you mm. choose where to start? Do you start small and saying small no's? Or do you start big and say, I'm not doing anything for a while? <laughs> <laughs> so it so it all depends on what's going on. So when it comes off the back of where you're sort of in that implode, explode situation, what I call sort of an eruption in your life, that tends to cause you to have a hard stop. So, you know, I've heard from a lot of women, and in fact, I'll take an example of a friend of mine who went on a, she was always busy, busy, busy. Yes for PTA. Yes to extended family. Yes to everything and everyone. She goes away on a summer holiday. You know, they're away on a cruise. She starts to feel a bit funny, you know, while she's away. She goes to see the the doctor on the cruise. They were like, oh, you know, you've got, I think it's a boil or something like that. She gets home. She ends up being laid up for a year in and out of the doctors having treatment for this. And she said, well, at this point, we used to do like a radio show together. And she said in that year, she had a lot of time to think to herself about all the conversations that we had had about people pleasing. And she realized how so many people around her were dependent on her saying yes. They were just used to her saying yes. And that it had taken being dramatically like slowed down to finally put her in the position of saying, actually, no, I can't. Like It's like, oh, I have a justification now. I'm laid up in bed. And so I think that depending on if you've had that sort of eruption where you've had burnout or some sort of stress related illness or, you know, you're sort of feeling incapacitated for whatever reason, you will find that at that point it's like, what do I need to start saying? Like you, it's almost like it's very difficult for you to be saying yes to much at that point. So you're forced into it by, by necessity of the situation. Generally speaking, I say to people, if you're not in that place, Generally, I would say don't start big unless you absolutely have to, as in the situation there and then calls for it. Because I find that a lot of people get quite triggered by that, where it's such a buildup around the saying of no, that that then the sort of the body response afterwards sort of sends them into a panic. Whereas starting small and building up gives them a chance to realize, oh, I feel okay. Uh, the sky is still up in the sky. The world is still turning. Um, but it also gives them a sense of, of how they feel. I think for, for anyone listening who's thinking, okay, well, like, where do I start with this? Get to know your pleaser. That's the first step I say in the book, which is get a sense of how are you spending your yeses, nos, and maybes over the course of a week? You know, who, who's getting that? What are you investing that into? But also starting to notice where those people-pleaser feelings are showing up, the anxiety, resentment, guilt, overwhelm, feeling overloaded, frustrated, irritated, low, depressed, helpless. Notice where those feelings are showing up because that's giving you a clue about how you're going around spending your bandwidth as well as that yes, no, and maybe. I think then as well, 
you know, you can't change what you don't know. And that's part of the reason why I encourage people to do that. And by observing their week, the average people pleaser gets to slow down even just a little bit in a way that they wouldn't ordinarily. Because the average people pleaser is saying yes without even like skipping a beat. They don't even think of, how does this feel in my body? Do I want to? What did I think of this? Do I have the bandwidth to do this? What's my schedule like right now? It's yes first, and then afterwards they consider the impact, like the meaning and the consequences of saying yes. You know, I've, I've heard from a lot of women who be like, yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come along to that thing. I'll do that thing. And as the words are coming out of their mouth, internally they're going, oh my gosh, how, how am I going to find the time to do this? Why are they asking me? Or, but how am I going to get out of this? Like they're already plotting like in, in their head. And so things to look out for that I think are also very helpful is notice your why. So pay attention to when, when you're saying yes to stuff, why are you saying that? And if that why is really not very loving of you and it's trying to avoid something or control something, you know that your people pleaser is in the house. If you're having those thoughts of, well, you've said yes, but in your head you're going, oh my gosh, you're such like, you're so pathetic. Why do you turn around and say yes? Or, oh, if I don't say yes, then people are going to judge me. Or you're raging and angry with people inside your head. Boom. You know, you've been people pleasing. And, and it is also noticing those people pleaser feelings. It's the more you can pay attention to the why, your thoughts, and your people pleaser feelings is the more you will get to know yourself. And then you will see where you can start to say no. Right. Like you had the six steps for finding the joy in saying no. And you talk a lot about bandwidth and you talk about the baggage that you carry around. And there is one phrase and it's, it's slipping my mind right now that you put in the book that you can always say, like you're kind of stuck at that point and someone asks you to do something. Mm-hmm. Actually make an agreement with yourself that from now on that you don't say yes straight away, that instead you say, let me get back to you. Now, if the person turns around and says, actually, I need an answer from you right now, then your answer is no. Because if you don't give me time to check in with myself, to consider my bandwidth, I don't feel that I have to turn around and say yes to you. I'm writing that down right now because (laughs) (laughs) you can see I'd even forgotten it. You talk about four steps to help you have an assertive response just to play off. Let me get back Mm -hmm. to you. To, um, when you recognize that you need to say no. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like the first one you say, work out what you want to do versus what you think the other person expects of you or any generalized obligation. Yeah, so this is actually critical in distinguishing between whether is it a, is it a desire or an obligation. So when we think about like, what is the person, what do we think the person is expecting of us? And what is it that we actually want to do? If there's a difference between the two, that difference is where you will find tension, friction, resentment, and the other people please are feelings in there. So getting a sense of that, like what, what, what's this person expecting me to do? And what do I actually want to do? Helps you to start to get a sense of reality. Sometimes we can project 
So one of the things I talk about in the book is about sometimes how we villainize others by going, oh, yeah, they all want me to turn around and say, yeah. But actually, if we pause and genuinely ask ourselves this question, sometimes we actually don't really know what the other person expects. We might project in what they're expecting, but we might not even know. Sometimes we do know. But if there's a difference between what they expect and what we want to do, that is the starting point of figuring out what our assertive response is. From there understanding what it is that we want to do helps us to also get a sense of, well, what is it that I need to communicate here to this person? If I, if I want to do something different from what this person is, is asking of me, how, what, what is that going to take? And so in amongst that, I also talk about how you need to identify your assertive like outcome. And what I mean by this is a lot of the time people are doing things, specifically people pleasers are doing stuff. And it's like, well, I'll say this to them and then they will feel a particular way. And then they will think really well of me and then everything will be okay. Or I'll do this thing and then they will be like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing that they turned around and did that thing. So then they will turn around and do this other thing for me and what that is, is that we're expecting to say or do something and to control what the other person says or does. Whereas when we identify the assertiveness outcome, it's identifying what it is that we want to communicate to the person, regardless of what they, what they do next. So for instance, it could be that we turn around and say, mom, I, you know, I really appreciate that you love me to be out there for 10 days, you know, during the holidays or whenever it is, but actually I'm not going to be able to do 10 days. I'm only going to be out there for three. And that is the assertive, not a, assertiveness outcome, not having our parent turn around and tell us that we're an amazing person. It's that we actually communicated what our position is and what it is that we can or cannot do. You've mm -hmm. kind of mentioned regardless of what their response is. Can we talk about pushback? Because you're going to get pushback from people yeah. who you usually say yes to. Mm, absolutely. So <laughs> I think one of the reasons why uh, a lot of people feel uncomfortable about having boundaries, saying no, which includes expressing our limits and communicating actually who we are and what we do want, is the pushback bit. There's a part of them that really in a way hopes that you could just sort of say or do something once and that people go, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me that. I never knew before. Okay, from now on, I know what the boundary is with this and you're never going to have a problem about it again. And we all know that is not what happens. And so for a lot of people, they see it as if the person isn't all singing and all dancing, if they perceive any level of discomfort, any sort of what they, I guess, tension or even anger, pushback from the person, well, it must mean that our no is wrong. First of all, no one is entitled to our yes. However, if we have been in the habit of saying yes, there are certain people, you know, I call them almost your people-pleasing entourage, you know, people who are very used to benefiting from you basically never saying no. They're going to be surprised. Most of them are going to be surprised when you turn around and say yes. That does not make it wrong. Some of them are going to push back because they think, oh, if I push back a bit, you're going to back off. The thing is, is that 
if you back off from that, you're not going to end up communicating your boundary. So I'll give an example of me. I communicated, you know, I would communicate a boundary about something, for instance, to family who really, they love a bit of pushback, my family. So if I took their pushback to mean, oh, gosh, I definitely shouldn't try this again, I wouldn't have tried to have healthier boundaries. But instead, what I did is I still went and did exactly the same thing next time. And with most of them, they didn't even react the next time around. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't basically avoid taking it too personally. Uh, and instead, I, I still went ahead and, and had a go with that. Now, I think also that some people can feel threatened by you being more assertive. Because they're like, oh, you don't want to say yes as much. Did I do something wrong? You know, are you judging me now? Do you think you're better than me? Now, it, some people's insecurities come into it. I've, I've, I've heard this from people even about, and, I, and I'm, I imagine that you were taught before on your show about this, but about how they lose weight. And they're happy with their, their change in diet. And, but instead, they have family who are like angry with them about it. That's a very classic example of a people-pleasing situation where you're getting pushback for saying no to something that's, that doesn't work for you, but other people are like feeling threatened by the change in the dynamic or how they think that you're evolving. So try to... Obviously, there are some people that when they push back on you, it becomes very, very clear that your no was overdue. That is something that can become very clear in this. There are some people who might be like, oh, well, can't you? But then you turn around and say, no, seriously, I can't. And they'll drop it. But I think if you're getting pushback and it's, it's pretty persistent, it might even be somewhat aggressive, it's telling you some about the dynamic of your relationship, that it was very reliant on you saying yes, and it's telling you, actually, that your no was very overdue. So rather than being like, oh, I'm getting this pushback because my no is wrong, it, it's more like, oh, I'm getting this pushback because this person is not used to me saying no. This person has got too used to me saying yes. And then it, you can distance yourself from it a little bit where you're still going to feel annoyed with them. You will. It's, it's the human nature. But you can be like, oh, this is their stuff, not mine. How people respond to your no is about their baggage around no. Bear in mind, we are all raised in a society that teaches all of us to some degree to be a people pleaser. So that we all have a level of discomfort with no. If we stop personalizing it so much where it's like, oh, they said no to me. They, that must mean that I'm a bad person or, oh, they didn't react that well. I must have done something wrong. If we start to recognize that everybody has a longstanding history, a personal history with no, we realize how they're responding to us is not about us. And so then we can hold our ground a bit more. But it is a work in progress. Don't expect the ticker parade, you know, the trumpets, the angels, the clouds parting, people to pat you on the back. See it as a work in progress. Keep going because then if, if you do it once, people don't know what to make of you. If you keep showing up consistently, if you keep saying no in that way, people start to know where they stand with you. They realize it's not a blip. And, and I think that this is, you know, the, this very sort of codependent mentality that we have been socialized into. This idea that we are, we have to cotton wool other people's 
feelings and experiences with people pleasing. First of all, people get uncomfortable. People get their knickers in a bunch. People like get mad, jealous, envious, grumpy, sad for all sorts of reasons. We can pussyfoot around people and say things really sweetly and nicely. And some of those people can still turn around and be like, who the hell do you think you are? So this idea that if we just say all the perfect things and we never say no, when we always accommodate everybody else, that somehow we are not going to make people feel uncomfortable, that they're not going to make them upset. We're not. We're not supposed to avoid discomfort. When we allow other people to feel their feelings about stuff, that's up to them to sort their stuff. Obviously, we don't want to run around and be like, oh, I'm just going to like say and do whatever I want. And I do find that people often go from, okay, I'm going to cut back on people pleasing to, oh my gosh, I'm going to be this terrible person that's just like, no, 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 no. And it's like, no, like you're going sort of from one extreme to the other. We've got to stop tricking ourselves into this idea that us avoiding no is somehow sparing other people's feelings. First of all, only shady people are happy for you to do stuff from a place of like obligation, feeling bad about yourself, you know, guilt, you know, that type of thing. Most of our loved ones, if we turn around and said, actually, the reason why I turned around and I said yes to that was because I was afraid you'd get mad at me. I was afraid you'd abandon me. I was afraid you'd get judged. Most of them would be like, whoa, whoa. I hate to think that that is actually the reason why you turned around and said yes to me in the first place. So most people, not all, but most people don't want you doing things from a place of making yourself feel bad. The other thing is that most people also don't like to feel that you are, people pleasing is essentially being dishonest with people about who you are. We were told it's not a good idea to lie. Like it's it's good to be honest, but actually we're also told that it's good to be honest as long as you're not going to say something that might offend or hurt or put, you know, people sort of, you know, out of place as such. And so we have these conflicting messages and the people around us, we don't realize, they don't realize that they're not getting the real us, that we're telling them what we think they want to hear And that sometimes, and this is the thing that people pleasers feel really uncomfortable with, we're doing stuff because of what we think we're going to get back in return. And when we can be honest about that, oh, I'm people pleasing, because then I'm thinking, well, why would they leave? I'm, I'm pleasing them all the time, so why would they leave? Or they can't criticize me. If I've sacrificed all my needs and I've tried to please them that way, why would you leave? Why would you choose somebody else? I, over the years, I've heard from a lot of women who, who thought that being, you know, a girlfriend, a partner, a, a spouse in a relationship, they would be like, oh yeah, like I wash and I cook and I clean and I chauffeur like their kids and I do the gardening and sometimes I do some DIY. And like, you know, you can pay for that stuff on like TaskRabbit and like all of that <laughs> yeah. other stuff. That's not being in like showing up intimately in a relationship and so often we use these things to try to please to be of service and we think oh that's just what that person needs and then we feel rejected when they turn around and they said that they want somebody else 
Yeah. So I mean, we have to realize I, if, if we can't be, we can't be sort of chronically people pleasing and have intimacy in our relationships at the same time. We can't. So ironically, the less we people please is the more intimate our relationships are because people are getting the real us. Bridget, I suggest you guys get a copy of this book, The Joy of Saying No, a simple plan to stop people pleasing, reclaim boundaries and say yes to the life you want. Thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you both. Well, we want to thank Natalie Lou so much for being on our show today. That was such a great conversation. I really enjoyed her book. Make sure that you are following us on all of our social media accounts. Thank you so much for joining us today and continue to listen and rate and review. Have oh, a great we don't day. really mention that, but yeah, when you guys leave a review, if you go on Apple Podcasts and you leave a hopefully positive review, it helps get the podcast out to more listeners. So if you have a second and you enjoyed this episode, please take the time to just let us know. We appreciate it. The algorithms appreciate it. And so do our guests. Have a great week, guys. Talk to you next time. Bye.